What is up, everyone out there in the podcast universe? This is Chad the Mark coming to you from the We Don't Know Sports Show. And today we are going to dive into all the fun stuff with the AFC and NFC Championship game, along with a bunch of rule changes we feel like need to happen. So stick around and listen to the show. It's Chad the Mark, Mr. Brown, and Canadian Biggie coming at you today. Hey, everybody, don't forget to follow along and like us on your favorite social media platforms. If you're a Facebook fan, just search for We Don't Know Sports, the podcast. If Twitter is more your thing, you can find our handle at We Don't Sports. You can go old school and drop us a line through our email box. The address there is We Don't Know Sports at Yahoo.com. This podcast is hosted by the company SoundCloud and is available on Google Play and iTunes, Apple Podcasts everywhere. Please be sure to subscribe to get notifications whenever new episodes are available. All right, what is up, gentlemen? We just had an exciting weekend with the AFC and NFC Championship games. Biggie, you out there, brother? Yo, I'm here. And how are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing pretty damn good. I got to tell you what, when you're a Patriots fan and you live on Championship Sunday, this is one of the best Mondays of the year. Riding high, rolling into the Super Bowl. (laughs) Well, uh... <clears throat> the majority of people out there do not like the New England Patriots, so you can enjoy that yourself. Mr. Brown, how you doing, brother? I can say I'm not doing as good as a uh, Canadian over there, but uh, how about those two games we saw yesterday? You don't get any better than that. I mean, it, w- it had to be the best single day of football that I've seen in, in at least 10 years. I-, I-, I can't think of anything that outdoes it. And as far as the stakes being what they were, being the AFC and NFC championship games, there's never been a, a-, a weekend like this, has there? No, it's one of the best weekends, or at least best Sundays of football that I can remember in my entire lifetime. Thrilling all day long, back and forth. Two overtime games on championship Sunday? Nuts! Don't matter if you're a fan of any of the teams. That was just really, it really brought you on, enticing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't have a thing in it for either game. I couldn't look away. I didn't even want to go to the bathroom. Like, it was crazy. Like, you could not look away. There was so much craziness going on for the whole day on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I had no rooting interest whatsoever, and I was glued to the TV. I couldn't stop. You know what those games had the feel of to me when you watch postseason baseball and you're waiting for between pitches that was like that between plays for me on sunday what's gonna happen big play coming up could change the whole game change momentum i don't know how you guys felt but that's what i related to it was just that on the edge of your seat for both games all day long well i mean let's start with the early game i mean i know you're dying to talk about your patriots but i'm gonna make you wait we're gonna suffer through talking about the nfc the team that'll probably beat your patriots right so, you know, looking at the Rams and the Saints game, I mean, how crazy was the crowd? I mean, I thought that alone was going to take the Rams out of the game because it seems like in the first half they were a damn hot mess. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't. E- Did you see the clip where you got Whitworth, the left tackle, coming in trying to hear the freaking call from the center? You know, one of the crazy things about that game to me is when they come back from commercial break, uh, Aikman and Bach would talk about how they weren't just cheering during the play during the entire commercial timeout. They were going loud as nuts. That's one of the best home crowds or home Sundays. Just amazing. I mean, did you all see they were so loud that it like the roof shook so bad that it fell off into the floor? <laughs> did you see the video of that? Yeah. The, there was like part of the dome fell down and they had a picture that it was like 
they had to mark it off because there was like concrete like pieces laying on the ground. That's how loud it was. I did not see that. I know I know Sean Payton made the plea for the fans. They definitely turned out. And what was different was like what Biggie was saying. Even during the timeouts, they never stopped. It'd be a first down. They were just as loud as a third down. I have not seen a crowd like that, and I don't know how long, if ever. I mean, that was unbelievable. Who would have had Asian came to play? Too bad the referees didn't. So, you know, our poll out there had the Saints winning by a pretty fair margin. What was it, like 60% or more? Last I saw it was uh, 60 to 40. I'm thinking uh, about 400 votes. I mean, I, I, I had the Saints winning. I, I, what did you guys have? Yeah, I think we all went Saints, correct? I think we did. And, and the, the thing was, they came out strong. I mean, they settled for early field goals, but they played pretty good. And I thought they had it. And then, like, what? Going back to the Rams, they were shook early, but then, like, Gurley didn't play. I mean, the whole game was a mess. I mean, you touched on it, but like when I was watching it and they had the first field goal, so they jumped on the board, then they got the turnover, and then the Rams stopped them again. They held them to another field goal in the red zone. I started thinking, you know, these are opportunities where Bree should be capitalizing with six. So I'm thinking they're letting them hang around, even though they jumped up, what, 13 to nothing? Right. But I was like, it could be way worse than that with this crowd, and uh, I think it was a missed opportunity. I agree. It felt the same way. As the game started out, you felt like they learned from the week before where they came out a little flat against the Eagles, fell down 14 nothing in the first quarter. They came out charged up, ready to play, but you got to put a team like that away early. You can't let them hang around. Settling for field goals was going to come back to bite them, and it did. How big was that freaking Todd Gurley touchdown before the half? It was huge. When you start out as badly as they did, you can roll into half feeling pretty even with the way that the game started for you, <laughs> you're only in a halftime thinking you played your worst football and the game's right there for you to take. The the thing for me was obviously them trading, you know, touchdowns for field goals early. That kept the Rams into it. But New Orleans never could get anything going and they never got the run game going. But, you know, let, let's just get right to the point. I We, we got we got to talk about what happened at the end of the game, right? Oh, you want to dive into that now? I mean, here's the thing. Even if you're the Saints, you're not even breaking down what went right and what went wrong in that game. Right now, all you can think about is one single play, the play that you feel like robbed you from a Super Bowl. I feel the same way. They can say that it robbed them from the Super Bowl, but on the drive before when the Rams came down the field, they missed a face mask on Jared Goff inside the five that probably would have ended up in a touchdown for the Rams. So, you can bring it down to that one play, but it's like you just said, they ran for less than 50 yards. All right, even if it did, even if it did. So what happens? They score a touchdown instead of a field goal. New Orleans still has a chance to take the lead when they got the ball at the end of the game. What do you think should be different there at the end of the game? It's a penalty call. It's not a reviewable play. It's obvious to us, but. I'm not, I'm not saying it should be reviewed or anything like that. This is what I'm saying. And, look, I've seen all the comments on social media where everybody's like, oh, the poor Saints fans, they're upset because of one call. And they, and they want to point out all these other calls that happened during the game. B.S. This is why. Don't come to me with a penalty that happens 
in the second quarter, in the third quarter, with 11 minutes left, because the game is still being played. You still have the entire script that's still being written. It's not one play at the end. The penalty we're talking about, the pass interference that everyone and their brother knows it was pass interference. The guy playing defense knew it was pass interference. Everybody knew it. It didn't get called. Did you see the ref waved off the side judge running down the field, threw him off like, no, it's not pass interference. Like the guy standing 30 yards away knew it was a flag and went to go talk to him about it. He didn't want no part of it. The point is, at that junction of the game, if you throw that flag, the game's over. The game is over. There's no way the Rams are winning. I don't care about the face mask. I don't care about delay games in the third quarter or any of that crap because the game still has to be played. There's still multiple plays that you're going to have, but you're at the point where that single-handedly could end the game. Right there. He mauled the guy, right? They could have ran it down to four seconds left on the clock. That's it. They kicked the field goal. The game's over. I mean, he he destroyed him. But here's what I want to say, okay? And this is just me talking. They get to overtime, right? Drew Brees throws the interception. He does. And I hate to say this, Canadian, but I feel like if the same thing would have happened to Tom Brady, I feel like he would have found a way to still (laughs) make it work. You do hate to say that. And, I mean, like – I say that Breeze is the goat. I'm kind of kidding around to, to get in your skin there. But, I mean, statistically, he's right there with Brady. But Brady finds a way to win no matter what happens. I feel like if it was the same situation, he'd have pulled it out. And they choked. But, I mean, like you said, it shouldn't have been in that situation. And the Saints should have already won the game. So, I mean. They already lost. It was over. They they mentally were defeated they after that play. at that point. Yep. Yeah, that's what people will come back to. They'll say they had the ball first in overtime, and they had the chance to win it there too. But when you see the reaction from Peyton on the sideline on that non-call, that's kind of your whole team. What? That was the game! And you end up with a field goal and that much time left. And here's the other thing about that. You can go on and on about that call, but guess what? Sean Payton, what are you doing throwing a first down? There's less than two minutes left. They got one. I know. He had a chance to kick the same field goal and give them the ball back with 45 or 50 seconds instead of a minute and a half. So let's blame ref. That's fine. It was egregious. It was horrible. It was a missed call. But guess what? You could have managed the game a little bit differently and probably still came out on top. But that's that riverboat gambler in him. That's the same reason why we love him for kicking onside kicks coming out of the Super Bowl. But this time it backfired. But I'm with you. You know, why are you throwing the ball on first down? If you want to throw the ball, I get it. But why do it on first down? I mean, if you're going to do it, maybe test them out for the first or second down. If you want to do it on third down and put the game away, I get it. But I, I thought that was a crazy call, too. And and it contributed to them losing the game. But they were already done. I'll say it again. Once that flag never came out of the pocket, Peyton was done. He was so furious. You want to know how I know it, too? Is because before he even showed up to the press conference, he was already on the phone with New York trying to figure out what the hell happened. You're right. Yeah, it's me right there all year long. They've taken Breeze out in certain positions, put Taysom Hill in there for their different trick plays and their Wildcat. You get down into the end zone like that, you want to run something a little funky, use some clock, there's your chance to do it. That's when it would make sense to run something with an option off of it. I agree with you, Chad Mark. He was... 
so gone after that call. I don't even think he remembers the rest of the game. I mean, I'm going to challenge you guys to answer this question. What call in the history of the NFL was worse than that one? I mean, can you think of a worse call in the history of the NFL with that much on the line? The tuck rule, I don't agree because that was controversial. This is completely a blatant missed call. So I don't, even I say the tuck rule is not as bad as this one. So besides that, I mean, I can't think of one. I can't either, although replay didn't exist when the Raiders played the Steelers back in the 70s before the Steelers dynasty started because that ball hit the ground too. The immaculate reception, I believe it hit the ground as well. Mr. Brown, will you confirm that? Can we go three for three saying the immaculate reception was horse crap? Horse shit. (laughs) Uh, Franco Harris won't even come out and tell you one way or the other. He's taking that one to his grave. He says, I'll never tell. I don't know how the Patriots dynasty would have worked out had it not been for the tuck rule in that game. But I tell you what, if L Davis didn't own the Raiders, the tuck rule probably never existed. <laughs> well, did you all see that uh, there's a possibility that like, I guess in a rule book it exists that Goodell could make it to where they would have to play the uh, game over, at least start where it's uh, picked up. Now I blame the media for this one. So sure. It's in the rule book. It's there in case something egregious happens, and It'll it should happen. be. But, like, are you – no one can seriously consider that being an option. No one can sit there and tell me that it's a legitimately good idea to line them back up on the field Absolutely. tomorrow and, and finish the game from where it's at. Yeah, it was a bad call, but that's, that's, that's another level. You want to talk about Pandora's box, you open that up right there and give Goodell that type of power? Holy crap. If they do that big, yeah, I'm all about uh, letting Woodson uh, eat up uh, Brady's ass one more time. (laughs) (laughs) Woodson's uh, Twitter, he hasn't forgot about it. It still burns a hole in his bowl. As it should. So, So let me ask you this on the pass interference call. Should that be a reviewable play? To me, it should be because up north, you know, Atlanta, Canadians, yeah, it's a reviewable play, and the reason I think that it should be reviewable is you've gone so far to try and take human error out of the game. In college football, it's a 15-yard penalty. In the NFL, it can be a 45, 50-yard penalty, change momentum, change the game. Uh, if you're not going to make it a reviewable play, what you could do, make it a 15-yard penalty. Do like college does. Amen. I'm 100% on board with you there. I've, I've you know, gone on record in the past saying that I hate the spot foul rule. 15 yards is where it's at. I hate the fact that we assume they're going to make the catch no matter what. But I don't like the fact that you can review potentially a judgment call like that. Like the only only penalties I think you can honestly review are, you know, did a quarterback cross the line of scrimmage when he threw the ball or was somebody lined up offsides because you're talking about a fixed line on the field and it had to do with their position. But if you start trying to review, was there holding? Was there pass interference? Things like that. I think you're you're getting into a bad bad place, and at the end of the day, like you got to understand, there's always going to be human error. Like I, I know Mr. Brown's a baseball fan. You don't want a computer telling you what's a ball and strike, do you? Absolutely not. I mean, you got to have an umpire back there. At that point, you're just uh, changing the game to a point to where it's not recognizable. Yeah, I agree. That's the one thing about making PI a re- reviewable call. Uh, now you're open penalties up to you can call holding on every play. That's Pandora's box. So human error is always going to be a part of the game. That's something we just have to learn to accept. 
Why not at least tweak it a little bit to where it's reviewable in the last two minutes of each half? Well, I think you're still getting into that judgment call territory. Now, the one thing that Bill Belichick has come out and said before was why not give them the ability to challenge for something like that? Like, you don't give them any more challenges that they have anyway. Like, they still get the two. Like, if they got one left. Yeah. But it's inside two minutes, too, so that's a different story. But if you got the challenges left that you could throw the flag out there and say, no, it was pass interference. But, again, I think you can't undo – you can't undo the the fact that it's a judgment call because it's kind of like – do you ever watch those NBA timeouts and they're reviewing like who the ball went off of out of bounds? And Half the times when you see the review, you'll see somebody slap the crap out of the other guy. And there's all kinds of fouls being committed, and you can't go back and fix that. And at the end of the day, you're like, well, the ball went off a of rondo, but we're going to ignore the fact that, you know – Paul George, you know, kicked him in the shin when it happened. I mean, at the end of the day, when you start going back to those judgment calls and trying to reverse with the replay, I think that's a dangerous thing. I mean, so if it's not within the last two minutes, you can use a, uh, you know, the red flag to right. throw it out there. But if it's within the last two minutes, it's going to be reviewed anyway. I mean, everything inside the two minutes is reviewed in New York anyway. But my thing is, I, like I was just bringing up, that's what Belichick has said in the past. I'm not necessarily in favor of that. I think you let stuff like pass interference, it's called on the field the way it is. If they don't call it, fire the official. I'm sorry the Saints got robbed from a trip of the Super Bowl. That's not my problem. I would rather protect the sanctity of the game and have us complain about officials making bad calls than slowing it down and making it last another half hour in the final two minutes because they review every damn call out there. Best thing, too, that call in the last two minutes. Pass interference, it's also helmet-to-helmet, player safety. There's a million different things the NFL could do to try and say that this needs to be huddled up and reviewed and that type of thing. Human error is always going to be part of the game. The one thing that I could say is that, to me, if it's not a reviewable play, make it a 15-yard penalty because it has such an impact on the game. If the referee calling it doesn't have the right angle, changes momentum, I... I've seen it happen many times in favor of my team. It's it's kind of frustrating as a fan. Well, we've given so much to the offense over the past few years. I would love for us to go to 15-yard you know, defensive pass interference penalties to try to give a little bit back to the defense and make the offense earn it a little bit more. You can have one of the most average – you can have Andy Dalton as your quarterback and still execute a two-minute drill with perfection in today's NFL. That's just the reality of where we're at. Give something back to the defense. It's crazy how much we've taken from them. And, I, and, and look, I know people are going to hate that take – but I love the fact that they do that in college. And if you want to compare something else to college, you brought up targeting and how there was a targeting call that could have taken place on that pass interference play. So one of the things they do in college is they review all targeting calls. And this is the amazing thing. If they throw a flag for targeting in college and they go to the replay and determine that it wasn't targeting, they not only don't disqualify the player, but they pick up the flag and the penalty doesn't happen. So at least in that aspect, on that judgment call, because you're talking about disqualifying a player, they do give them the ability to go back and look at it. I just don't want to do it for pass interference. But I can see you doing that for targeting because if you are trying to be sincere, and talk about player safety, which we know that's a lot of crap that we hear all the time that's really not true. But if you want to try to look good, do that and bring that back in. Couldn't agree with you more. There's a mix of rules from the NFL to the NFL, the NFL to college football that I would like to see implemented just as a base rule for football at that level. But that's one of them right there. 
don't give me this crap about player safety and then not be able to look at the different things and call the helmet to helmet hits and uh, what is and isn't a foul. I agree with you 100%, Chad. The NFL is obviously not trending in the defensive side, so the the 15-yard penalty for the pass interference is, I think, the way we should go because no one's trending towards uh, defense. It's all about scoring, right? So we got I think we got to level the playing field a little bit and uh, see what that would change with the game because right now it's all about score, score, score. There's no like old-school defenses of the past. Can you think of any other penalty where you can reward 50 yards to a team? Absolutely not. 15 yards should be the max. I don't care if it might have cost your ability at a touchdown. Go earn it. You get your first down, let's see what you can do. I think that's fair. To assume the catch was going to be made no matter what, I think is a dangerous thing. But it just goes to show that the NFL is all about trying to make their offenses look good. Every rule that's put in place for how many years now is about more scoring, draw more people, fantasy football, build the game up. I'm on board. Like I said, 15 yards. Give the defense one. What's the worst that happens? A guy gets beat down the field, tackles a guy instead of 35 yards for PI, it's 15 and a first down. Earn it still. That still makes the offense at least earn it with the rules that they have in place. Everything for the offense. (laughs) So so are the Rams deserving of where they're at now, or are they going to be are they going to be marred? Is is there like an asterisk next to them? All I'm saying is, if the Rams win, which they won't, uh, there'll be an asterisk by their win because it's going to be just like Barry Bonds because they shouldn't have been there to begin with. So uh, it'll be a tainted uh, championship run for them, but it's not going to happen. I got the Pats, you know, doing their thing. Well, I mean, the Pats had a you know tainted championship run in 2001 that we still recognize, right? Some of us recognize it. <laughs> All of us recognize it. <laughs> Only some of you are willing to accept it. So e- either way, regardless. Oh, boys! Come on, now let's hold uh, Inaudible yelling from people from Canada. It's fantastic. So let me let me ask you this, just on a scale of 1 to 10, just your excitement level watching that NFC Championship game. Biggie, what do you give it? I'll give it a 10. Mr. Brown? I definitely say a nine until the uh, overtime hit. <laughs> <laughs> overtime was kind of anticlimactic, so I'll give it a nine to, uh, you know, Breeze chucking the ball downfield as he was getting a hit, man. I, I just didn't think he would make that type of stupid pass. But like I said, I think uh, they were already checked out of the game. But either way, man, I, I remember that NFC game, NFC title game for a long time. I'm going to say if the funniest meme out there for this game, did you all see – the crying Jordan that was in Drew Brees' scar on his face. That's outstanding no matter what happens. I did not see that one. <laughs> it's the best thing I've seen, like, forever. It's, it's amazing. You got to look at it. That's messed up, man. You're making fun of someone's physical appearance now. Did you see it, Biggie? Oh, you send it to me. I'll look at oh. it. I'm sure I'll enjoy it. The best one I saw was the uh, – Brett Favre is the official. I saw nothing. I will put the uh, meme on the on the page for everyone to see. But the Brew, Drew Brees scar was amazing with the crying Jordan in it. My favorite parody segment I saw all weekend was the WWE one where you had the official, who I believe was Kurt Angle, taking the Saints and giving them the Angle slam and then throwing the Rams on top of them for the pin. Because, that, damn it, that's what happened. That was so, like, what happened. You can't say it, show it any better than that. Like, there was not a more apt 
or apropos, you know, meme or parody video than that. Did you see it, Biggs? I did. I watched it and I laughed because it was funny, but I cried because it was true. <laughs> Sad but true. So the AFC Championship game, we got to see the Chiefs and the Patriots in another epic showdown going down to the wire. Another overtime game. The first time we've ever gotten two overtime conference championship games going into the Super Bowl. And like I said before, I've, I've changed my wicked ways. I've bought into the machine that is the New England Patriots. I knew they were just going to find a way to win, and they did. They did through a, a various amount of ways. So I'm going to throw this out there for you at the beginning. New England ran twice as many plays, 97 to 48. 97 plays to 48 plays. And they had time of possession advantage of 23 minutes. That is why the Patriots won, right? I mean, absolutely. You had Burkhead, Sonny Michelle going nuts with the running game. Like, I think Michelle had seven seven touchdowns or something in two games or something <laughs> crazy. It was at least five. Let's put it that way. But they controlled the game from the beginning of the coin flip. So, I also picked the Patriots. It pained me to say it. I, I knew the Patriots would come into Arrowhead and uh, do their thing. I hate New England. I mean, I don't want them to win. But the fact is – they they have the recipe for, for victory. And the thing that's amazing is this is how good the Chiefs are. They ran half the amount of plays are, or half the amount of plays that, that the uh, Patriots ran, and it still went to overtime. I question for you boys. Is anybody perfect? Well, you know, I am, but outside of that, no. Okay, so then what do you strive for in life? You strive for excellence, right? Hey, man, I piss excellence and shit perfection. What are you talking about? Here's excellence. When you live on Championship Sunday, you come into that game, what do you know? What happened in the fourth quarter? Mahomes went crazy. Second half, the entire second half. You come into the game, we're going to run the ball, we're going to keep it out of his hands. You get the kickoff, you go down the field, seven and a half minutes, score, touchdown. Keep him a little confused. No penalties on your offense. Your offensive line, as loud as it was in there, we talked about the Rams game <laughs> Whitworth happened to come over and say, hey, here's what we're doing. Couldn't hear anything in Arrowhead, but they had no penalties on the offensive line. From coaching down, that's excellence. That's why they are in the Super Bowl. That's why they've been there nine times. The the thing that I saw was, you know, New England only averaged like three and a half, 3.7 yards a carry. So it's not like they ran well. Their longest rush of the game was 14 yards. But – they never got away from it. And what they did was they demoralized and wore down the Kansas City defense. Brady threw the ball, you know, 40 some times, but they ran the ball more than they threw the ball. Look when they started throwing the ball. What they do in the first half? They ran it, they ran it, they ran it. Made the Chiefs change what they were going to do. By the time they changed, their defensive line was worn down. They couldn't get any pressure on Brady. He sat in that pocket. He did whatever he wanted to. Well, he had all day long to throw the ball. I mean, that was the thing I watched, especially going back and looking at the highlights. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a couple throws that Brady made were incredible throws. But for the most part, he's back here and he's got six, seven seconds to throw the ball. I mean, it was unbelievable. They couldn't get a hand on him. No, they couldn't. 
because they they completely dictated the pace of the game, and and by the time you got to overtime, like I can't believe they didn't call a timeout just trying to get their boys some fresh air because they were gassed, they were exhausted. New England just completely imposed their will on them, and the difference here's the thing: New England was an entire team effort. The Chiefs, it was Patrick Mahomes absolutely throwing you on my back. I'm going to try to will y'all to victory. And they had nothing else. It was the Patrick Mahomes show versus the dynasty of the New England Patriots. I'm sitting there early Sunday morning. You know, let's be real. The Chiefs are in my division. I'm a Raiders fan. I would rather the Chiefs win because they haven't won since Richard Nixon's been president. (laughs) uh, As opposed to the Patriots, more the same back in there. So that's where I'm at. So I saw this video of Bill's dad, like, circulate through the internet, right? He had me inspired. You know, he, he's all about the hell to the Chiefs, you know. So I'll give Bill's dad props. He had me going. You know, that was an excellent video, but at the end of the day, he didn't inspire the Chiefs too well and uh, more of the same from uh, Brady and the freaking Pats. Here we go. Well, the difference between the NFC game and the AFC game is the NFC game we talked about earlier. It was marred with controversy, right? You got all these official calls out there that it should have been this, it should have been that. There was all kinds of different things going on. With the AFC Championship game, I feel like the officials did a really good job. There was a bunch of potential calls that could have gone either way. And it seemed like they slowed down, they got New York involved, or whatever you want to say, and they got it right. Whether you're talking about, like, for example... Edelman returning or trying to fill that punt, right? You know, I'm sitting there thinking there's no way in hell he didn't touch that. And then I'm watching the replay, and Biggie, I'm texting you back and forth during the game, and you saw my opinion change in midstream going, well, maybe he didn't touch it. And you know I can't stand the Patriots. I don't want to see them win again. Even though I've conceded and said that they're going to, it's because I accept what they are. doesn't mean I root for them. But, the officials did a damn good job at the end of that game, making sure that they didn't take it over. I thought so. I felt like the game was officiated well throughout in the Kansas City, uh, New England game. Let, let them play a little bit. And some of those crucial calls at the end of the game were absolutely right. The same thing I told you boys last week. What I tell you, I said, Andy Reid will be trying to call a play in the two minute and the game will be over. Well, it wasn't quite that way, but it took until the second half before he realized, oh shit, I got Patrick Mahomes and the Patriots linebacker sock. They're freaking running back eight us up in the second half. I feel like the Chiefs are going to be there again and again because Mahomes is insane. Andy Reid is a really good coach, but top end talent, the Chiefs have more of it. Patriots are just better prepared. I mean, it's not like the Chiefs played poorly. It's just they didn't have the ball. New England came out with a game plan to you know, do what they need to do to win, and that was keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. We're just going to keep lining up and running the ball. We don't care if we average less than four yards a carry. As long as, as he doesn't have the ball, we're going to be successful. You know, we talked last week, and Mr. Brown was saying how the Patriots tinker throughout the season to figure their – what they have when it comes playoff time. Last four games of the year, last two regular season games, two games in the playoff, best four games I've played all year long. And it's to what Mr. Brown said. They tinker, they tinker, they figure it out because they know they're going to be here. I mean, you look at it, uh, they took Tyreek Hill out of the game. They took Kelsey out of the game other than his one touchdown, but he wasn't involved like throughout the game. It was 
Mahomes, he put up numbers when he had the ball, but he didn't have the ball very much. I mean, it, it clearly shows you how much better prepared the Patriots were as a team compared to the uh, Chiefs. They were clearly just glad to be there, and the Patriots are like, you know, this is what we do. But that's what the Patriots are all about. You know, they, they're going to go look at whoever your best weapons are. How do you get yours? You know, you get it through Kelsey, you get it through Tyreek Hill. Well, guess what we're going to shut down? That's what we're going to attack. So they're going to make Mahomes go find other various means to try to get the points. The Patriots are the best in the league when it comes to that. Everybody else lines up. They have their game plan. They do what they want to do. But New England is the best I have ever seen. And they're going to say, what are you the best at? That's what we're going to sh- we're, we're going to stop. We're going to shut that part down, and you're going to have to go outside your comfort zone to beat us. I mean, how many third downs between the fourth quarter and the overtime, you know, the Patriots had? And, like, I'm not a Patriots fan, but I'm sitting there watching it. I didn't feel nervous at all. I'm sitting there thinking they're going to convert. Like, you had that one-handed grab by Hogan. It was insane. Great catch. It was insane. Like, I felt like it could be like third and 20, and they're still going to convert. That's how I felt because, like, the Chiefs didn't have an answer for what they were doing in the, late in that game and in the overtime. It was just clearly you could see the difference in the two teams right there last night. I felt like when that game went to overtime and the Patriots busted out that doubleheaded coin we ain't seen since the Super Bowl against Atlanta, it was over. You knew Brady was going to take him down the field. It's like one of those things where – I'm a Patriots homer. I love them. Brady isn't perfect, but in the clutch, there's nobody you ever trust more. Third and eight, third and nine, third and ten. He's going to move a couple of guys around, find the open guy, put it right between the numbers. New England was 13 for 19 on third down. Every time. That's unreal. The, the other thing, like just listen to this stat. If you're listening to this podcast, listen to these numbers. New England had 36 first downs. Wow. Doubled them up in first downs. Kansas City had 18. Not just that, Kansas City only ran 47 plays. They almost had as many first downs as Kansas City had total snaps. And Kansas City still took the game to overtime with the greatness that is Patrick Mahomes. I'm telling you right now, I know he didn't win the game. We're going to see Patrick Mahomes – for many years to come. I said it in some previous episodes, but this dude's for real. If he stays healthy, he is a sure fire Hall of Famer. He's got all the tools. He's got the arm strength. I'm telling you right now, he's going to be a machine. Like that that dude can ball. Like look, I think Tyreek Hill is a great player. Like don't get me wrong, but outside of that, like come on, Sammy Watkins, he's not elite. He's not the rest of this team, they lost their running game. Kareem Hunt, you know, we had that whole saga transpire. Patrick Mahomes put this team on his back, and he willed them to that AFC Championship game. Now, here's the thing that's going to happen, though. You've already seen the reports where he's going to sign this $200 million contract. If that happens, I think Mahomes is, and the Chiefs are going to be that team that always makes the playoffs but can't get over the hump because they're not going to have the money to spend on the rest of the players. If he can go a little modest, because that's the difference. We've talked about it before. Why is the why are the Patriots so successful? Because Brady's okay being somewhere between 10 and 20 ranked and getting salary. He doesn't have to be the highest paid. You want to know what happens? 
Go back and watch the highlights of the game. Watch all those throws that Tom Brady makes and watch how much time he has to make those throws because they invest money into their offensive line and they give him time to sit there and dissect the other team. If, if other teams don't pick up on that, you can't sit there and give Aaron Rodgers a max contract. You can't give Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. You can't give those guys mass contracts. I don't care how good they are. You have to be able to play with a 55-man roster. You can't sit there and do that. So if the Chiefs go out, and like they're going to have to, right, because if they don't, he's going to leave. I understand the catch-22 involved in that. But Mahomes is going to be the next Dan Marino. He's going to be the guy that's going to throw for more yardage than anybody else. He's going to throw for more touchdowns than anybody else. But he ain't going to win shit because they're going to overpay him. I mean, when you're married to Giselle, you don't really have to take the full contract, right? So, Patrick, we need to find Patrick Mahomes a hot wife then. Amen. I will say that it leaves you the ability to invest in other parts of your team, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say Dante Skarnecki is the best offensive line coach in the history of the football and the Patriots have him. Ain't nobody care about your damn offensive line, coach. There's more things going involved in that. But you hit the nail on the head. Once you give the quarterback the big money, you can't invest in the other parts of the team. So you have to hope that you hit it big in the draft. Look at how much money Drew Brees makes. The Saints were 7-9 and nine, three years in a, in a row not too long ago, but they hit that draft last year with Kamara and Lattimore and the offensive linemen. Boom, look at where they are. So your choices are take less money as a quarterback or hope that you hit every draft pick. Something happened last night. I, I've been spending about, what, almost two decades now rooting against this guy. You know, I absolutely despise Tom Brady. I've said it before. I did the same thing on the baseball perspective with Derek Jeter. You hate him with the evil empire. And then as he gets older, as time passes by, you you begin to realize and appreciate the greatness that you're seeing. And for me, I can't say he's not the GOAT because, like, to me, Joe Montana – Don't have shit on Tom Brady. Drew Brees, I say that just to piss you off, Biggie, but, I mean, deep down I know Drew Brees is no Tom Brady. So I'm like, I can't say that no one is the GOAT besides Tom Brady. He proves it time and time again. All I'm going to say is, please tell me if he wins at this time, he'll ride off in the damn sunset so we can have a chance for everybody else. Here's what's going to happen. Two weeks from today, we're going to be sitting here talking. Patriots are going to have won the Super Bowl. Brady's going to ride off into the sunset with Alex Guerrero. BB, he'll ride off with Giselle because, you know, Brady's got snake oil stuff going on. Eventually, he's got to retire. But he's not going to retire if they lose the Super Bowl. If they lose the Super Bowl next year, at this time, we're going to be talking about the Patriots either having won or played in the AFC Championship game again because he's just that damn good. I'm not even so sure that if they win it, that he rides off into the sunset. I agree with you 100%. I mean, the dude's not taking hits. You know, there's not been a single game in the past few years where he's been listed questionable. You know what I mean? He's still lining up to play. And as long as that offensive line, as long as Brady can continue to accept less money like he always has been, then he knows that's more money for my offensive line. They're going to keep those guys together, and I'm going to be safe. Hey, what about their bad boys video? Did you see that? They're playing the villain so well. I mean, like they're on the top of the world and they're just playing it perfectly. It's amazing. It's the best thing I saw on the internet. And the thing is, they don't say a single word. It's Brady with a smug expression, looking at the camera, just smiling, going, eh? 
And then Gronkowski, they pan to him, and they're both wearing their AFC championship gear, and Gronkowski just kind of smiles and nods to the side, and you hear the Bad Boys for Life song come in. I mean, damn it, I hate them, but they're right. I mean, they're just looking in the camera and they're like, what? What? They don't say a word, but they don't have to. That's the type of swagger they got. I want everyone else to win other than the New England Patriots. And I appreciate excellence, but I'm just so tired of it. It's ridiculous. It's 2019 in the world of sports when all this stuff going on. The Patriots still dominate the NFL, the league that is the most difficult to dominate due to the salary cap, due to the way injuries transpire. It is unbelievable. And I can't sit here and fathom how New England still does this year in and year out. And the scary part is, they still got 12 draft picks coming up in April. Like, they're not going to find some home runs there. It's what they do. So, for all you Patriot fans out there, I hate you. I hate you all so very much. And part we of that's, hate you, too. I know you know, you're, you guys look at me and say, you're beneath me. I don't need to hate you because you're irrelevant. We're going to continue winning Super Bowls while your team plays Andy Dalton. I hate you and hope you burn in hell. <laughs> Just remember one thing when you talk about those 12 draft picks. We had a first-round pick. Isaiah Wynn went down with an injury. We had Duke Dawson, two down. So we really got 14 draft picks coming back next year. And if you wipe Brady <laughs> off the post because he's like 67 years old, we're one of the youngest teams in the league. So we ain't going anywhere. So don't think that's happening. Because it's bad boy for life. <laughs> that, that's where you pay into the music, right? That's it. I don't, I'm not paying for the music. Yeah. But we'd play it here if we had the rights. Regardless of everything we just talked about. So, look, the Patriots are great. Patrick Mahomes is great. Doesn't mean the Chiefs are great. But he's an exceptional talent. I think he is going to be the next generation's Dan Marino. I Uh, think he's going to win one. You think he's going to win one? He's going to be better than Dan Marino because he'll win one. At least one. Not until Tom Brady retires. Can we agree on that? That's a small window. All right. It is a small window. All right. So, maybe he'll win one. He'll win one. All right. Either way. The thing that aggravated me most, as great as the officials were, like they got the calls right down the stretch. They did a great job in the AFC title game. I just want to say right now, I freaking hate NFL overtime. As a Patriots fan, it's benefited me twice in the last couple of years in big games that a coin flip gets your team the ball. And when you got Tom Brady, he's the goat. He runs you down the field, puts it in the end zone. The other team doesn't get to, to touch it, but – just as a football fan in general, I'm glad it worked out in my favor yesterday, but I would hate not seeing Patrick Mahomes who fucking lit the Patriots off in the second half, not even getting the ball because of the way it freaking flipped, two-headed coin. Ugh. I mean, that's what the problem is. It all is all about the coin toss. My, the thing for me is, and this is the argument you hear from everybody, well, you know, if you want the ball, the defense should stop him. The defense needs to do something. You know, I would buy that if the NFL hadn't done so much over the past 10 to 20 years to make the game all about the offense. They've done everything they can to give the offensive advantage. So don't tell me now that a game's gone to overtime that the defense needs to be what gets you the win because that's BS. You know, there's no way that it should ever go where you have Patrick Mahomes who might win the league MVP and he doesn't even get a chance in overtime. Don't give me any crap about how the defense is part of it. I understand they are. But so is the offense. 
I mean, you should give both sides a chance to prove their worth. If it were up to me, we would go full college rules in the playoffs because you can't match the excitement for college rules in the playoffs because it, it's insane. Now, I'm not saying you don't do that in the regular season, but playoffs, absolutely. So here, here's the one thing I would say. College, they I, I love college overtime. I do. I don't care if anybody out there is saying it takes the kicking game out of it or whatever. You know what? You know how many touchbacks there are in the NFL, so I don't want to hear it. My point is, with college, they start at the 25. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. In the NFL, you got big league kickers. They can they can make 60-yard field goals. We've that's seen right. it. Put them on the 50. Put them on the 50 and tell them to make some magic happen. They're either going to score or they're not. But everybody gets a chance to start at the 50, and whatever happens, happens, and you go until each team has a chance to score, and whoever's left standing, that's who wins. I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, you just can't you can't just, like, give one team the ball and not the other. I mean, like, they drive down the field, that's it, right? Whoever got the ball first was going to win. That's exactly. Same thing that happened in the Super Bowl a couple of years. I agree both teams should have the ball, but I absolutely hate college overtime. Give them the ball at the 25, not even the 50. Give them, give them the ball at their own 30 and make them drive. At least bring the freaking punt team aspect into it. You take – Special teams, part of the game away when you give it to them at the 25. Give each team the ball, but make them work for it. Don't give If you give the teams at the ball at the 25 in the NFL, you're going to go field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal until somebody falls down or there's a pass interference call at the one-yard line. Here's the problem with why, why people can't grasp college overtime. If you look at any other sport other than baseball, you know, they kind of continue to go the way it is until there's a winner decided. But, like, you go to hockey, you go to soccer, what happens? They go to, like, a, a shootout, right? Or they go to a penalty kick or whatever it may be. You know, that's what we're talking about with the NFL. You've done played 60 minutes. You couldn't decide a winner. So let's put you in a special frame. I'm not trying to take the kicking game out of it or anything like that, but you couldn't get it got you couldn't get it done in 60 minutes. So now we have to do something different. It's a special period. You know, we don't want to play for 20 more hours because we do care about the players. We're not trying to make them, you know, run into the ground. But if you don't like college overtime, you're insane. If you think NFL overtime is better than college overtime, you're crazy because NFL overtime is limiting the amount of snaps you're going to be able to see from the other team. You can get the ball first, go down to score a touchdown, and the other team never even gets to get out there. It's horse crap. It's unbelievable. I'm not saying that you start at the 25, but I'll tell you this. Some of the most exciting college football, did you not watch LSU and Texas A&M this year? It was amazing. It was the seven overtimes. It was one of the highest rated games on, on, on college football TV this year. So don't tell me that it doesn't work. If you're about trying to get ratings and trying to grow your fan base, if you think offense is so good, we're in the NFL, all right, all you right, get 65-yard right. I know you're fired up. Ah! We got your point, Chad. Biggie, what's your rebuttal? You like LSU, Texas A&M. You might as well just watch guys play seven-on-sevens without any fucking pads on. The fuck is that shit? You're looking inside the 20 red zone? That's not football. I'll give you this. I'm not in love with the other team not touching the ball, but guess what? Postseason football does this in the NFL. Everybody counts on both sides of the ball. Hey, give it to me at the 25. I'll hit one play. I'll get a penalty. I'm guaranteed three points. 
something in between the two I'll take. But get out of here with that. Give me the ball to 25 shit. Let me ask you this. We just talked about this earlier when we were covering the NFC Championship game. Have the rules in the NFL not been skewed the past 20-plus years to make the offense more meaningful than the defense? It gets ratings. Points get ratings, just like boobies. Exactly. So if you're going to change the rules to the points to where all you care about is ratings, then how are you going to leave overtime and give me some bullshit argument where you feel like, well, your defense had a chance to be on the field to stop them when you know all along that that defense isn't ready to do that because the NFL has changed their dynamic. It's not there to happen. It's not 1985. It's not even 2000. You don't have the Bears and the Ravens-style defenses where they can do that. It's horse crap. you got to give both teams a chance to get the ball. Hey, Biggie, I'm going to have to agree with Chad on this one a little bit. Um, not the 25, but, man, start on the 50 and let each team do their thing because – as we've seen numerous times, Cody Parkey, we have kickers that can't deliver from 50-plus. So you've got to get a first down. You've got to uh, execute. You've already played 16 games this year, plus 60 minutes. Now let's let each team have the ball at the 50 and see who executes and who doesn't. I mean, the kickers don't always – not every NFL kicker is going to make it from that from that distance. We've seen it time and time again. It, it, it would add so much extra scrutiny to the games. And guess what? Everyone has a chance. I agree that each team should have the ball, but there's no way I can agree to what the Courage College setup is. If there were something in the middle that you could come up with. That's what we're doing. After 50. That's double the college. To me, you still got to get the ball on your own side of the field. Get it at your own 35. A good offense can at least go 30 yards and kick a field goal. I think starting with the 50 is fine because that means you need to be a comfortable field goal. You have to get at least two first downs or one bad pass interference call. Oh, well, that's another argument. Take that back to 15 yards and you take that dynamic out of it altogether. Either way, can we at least agree that NFL overtime sucks ass? If you guys had a choice between. Reviewable PI or your version of NFL overtime, which one would you take? I would absolutely remove the NFL overtime, but I think it's stupid to review pass interference. I mean, if we're going to do that, I would definitely want to do the uh, overtime this way in the regular season because it takes away the tie like the Browns had. Ties are stupid. It, you can't play that much game and this type of a sport and come walking away oh we tied let's go have beers it, you gotta win damn it it used to be when i was a kid then the nfl there was never a tie it just didn't happen in college you could tie and then sometime some place in time we switched to where college there's never a tie anymore but the nfl now there's ties let's give them all trophies participation trophies for the Browns because they tied twice. Excellent effort, guys. Now Every time home. I see a tie in the NFL, I think about, and I don't know the name of the movie, but at Tom Selleck and a Major League Baseball player, he ends up going over to Japan. Mr. Baseball. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, it's a tie, and he's like, what the heck? There's no ties in baseball. There shouldn't be ties in football. There shouldn't be ties in any pro sport. Don't tell Bud Sealing that. And you better tip your damn cap. <laughs> The one last thing I want to talk about is I, I heard it all day on on sports talk and things like that, and and I, I I've seen this all year. 
and maybe I'm I'm out of my mind, but is Tony Romo a mad genius? I love listening to Tony Romo when he's calling a game because he's into the game like he forgets that he's on national TV. He makes these little noises here and there, and he's just so excited. <laughs> They're changing the play. Look for this off this side here. Dude, it gets uh, Chiefs in a championship game, fourth down. Brady's killing the play. He's telling you what he thinks coming based on the defense. Boom, it happens. I like it. You put him alongside that sexy master's voice of Jim Nance. That's a great <laughs> Uh, my favorite thing about the AFC Championship game is he sits there for like two plays in a row. He was screaming, why don't they line Grok up out wide and just throw it to him? You know, why don't they just let him go one-on-one? With it? And then finally they did, like two plays after he said it. I mean, he's he's a genius, and man. And that one down the sideline where the, he just like took advantage of that corner, right? right? The one down the sideline, he Romo was telling you two plays ago to do it, and then they finally did it, and what happened? And he's like, there it is. There That's what I've been calling for. That's why I'm Tony Romo. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Like, here's the thing. Like, everybody's like, I should get Tony Romo to be my offensive coordinator. No, you shouldn't. You should go get him to be your defensive coordinator because I've listened to games on CBS all year long, and the one thing Tony Romo can do is he can tell you what that team's going to call next. I mean, I've seen, like, so many people, like, cry about, like, what he says as far as, like, his commentary, but you can't deny the fact that he does know what's coming. I feel like he has a great uh, idea of what's coming on the next play. You know why they don't like his commentary? Is because he's too analytical. Everybody's sitting around drinking their Bud Light going dilly-dilly, and they're listening to the football broadcast. What does this mean? Yeah, they don't care about that. They just want to watch somebody get their head knocked in. But Tony Romo is up there in the booth talking about the analytics, about what's going to work, where the matchups are, and all those things. And he's been right. And everybody's just not finding this out because they're listening to the, the championship game before the Super Bowl. It's been like that all year. He spends so much time listening to, to, to different things going on, watching film, all these different aspects of the game. And anytime you have a Tony Romo broadcast, I swear if you listen to it, it's not the best thing for TV, but he at least will educate you. The best thing I can compare it to is if you ever watch baseball and you ever listen to Joe Morgan during a game, Tony Romo is Joe Morgan for football. All I'm saying is if he, like, added a few more, uh, boom, pow, people might relate a little bit better. What do you think, Biggs? Need some John Madden in there. That's a, you took it from me. That's what I was thinking. There's two types of people out there. You want John Madden talking about turkey legs and how much sweat there is on a lineman's butt, or you want Tony Roman breaking down football? There's one of the two. Oh, we had 11 Brett Favre's playing against 11 Brett Favre's. <laughs> oh, we had a football game right there. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Pow! Tough acting to acting. <laughs> turkey leg. Annexation of Puerto Rico. <laughs> it's not a turkey leg, man. It's a turducken. Yeah, exactly. I like turkey legs. <laughs> the early line is one and a half. So we'll see what happens next week when we come back to talk about the Super Bowl. But a lot of time is going to pass between now and then. But I'm going to tell you, like I told you already, I've done, you know, cashed in my chips. I, I've bought into the Patriots. You know, I've 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 learned from my wicked ways, and I know there's no way in the world people should ever beat them because they have the formula. 
one positive the day before the Super Bowl. Uh, Mr. Uh, Chad the Mark will be taking the plunge in Hurricane City Park. So anyone who wants to come out and witness this great experience, come on out and uh, watch him flail his arms in desperation because that's what's going to happen. It's one day before the Super Bowl, February the 2nd, 5 p.m., right before dark. Be really excited because he's going to have a banana speedo on. That's the one guarantee he's given me. I am a sexy beast. I won't deny it. But I am I am glad that I woke up today and I took my vitamins like Hulk Hogan told me to and I said my prayers. And it was six degrees today. And all I could think about was, man, I'm so glad <laughs> the polar plunge wasn't today because this would have been the last podcast we ever did. You'll be remembered finally. Chad the Mark, do it. It's for a good cause. Your misbelief in Nick Foles' magic wand. I died in the wave pool in Hurricane City Park because I believed in Nick Foles. Hey, I think Mr. Baseball is an underrated movie. I love that movie. He didn't tip his cap. (laughs) That means he's getting his ass whipped. I feel like Mr. Baseball introduced me to Japanese baseball more than anything else. It was awesome, like them thunder sticks. And then that remember when the Angels brought out the thunder sticks a few years? Yeah. What was that, like 2003? That or was something? with the uh, Rally Monkey. Oh, the Rally Monkey. And Tim Salmon and that crew and uh, Troy Gloss. Uh, I, Anyways, we're kind of veering yeah, off. Yeah, damn Rally Monkey.